Yeah, I was really impressed when, uh, when Roger asked me. I thought that was something to be you know, grateful for. And then I found out he's going to be gone for the next month. So he really doesn't care. So uh, <laughs> uh, we are uh, grateful. How long have you been on staff, Roger? 312 years? 15 years. So that's right. So. Uh, and we, we are grateful for a church that understands continuing education and, uh, and the need for a break every now and then. So we are grateful for the sabbatical policy here. And we'll certainly look forward to what Roger brings back uh, from his uh, experience and research and, and learning. Uh, if, if you have not been living under a rock for the last several years, you will understand that this is a dangerous time to be a man. Uh, everything is our fault. Uh, and uh, things that I've never even known about, I'm now responsible for. And uh, everybody's mad at us. Uh, and uh, there have been all kinds of extremes. There has been the extreme feminism that says men are totally unnecessary. And that our world would be better off if, uh, uh, if we did not have men at all. That women could do a better job. We'll just leave that one uncommented on, and we'll move on. The other one is the extreme withdrawal of men. And you'll have things like, uh, I don't know if you have heard of men going their own way. And, and these are men who have dropped out of, uh, of, of relationships, of dating, of uh, a lot of culture. And I don't know if you know this, but we have a serious problem in our culture right now of young men who are literally making the decision to drop out. And uh, and they're they're you know they'll get a they'll get a minimal job they'll they'll spend most of their time playing video games now being extreme here and uh, somewhat a little sarcastic but not much but they're not dating they're not engaged in any kind of uh, of meaningful uh, life that that you and I would define and it's because they have figured out that the game is rigged against them uh, and. Uh, why men quit, why men, I mean, there's, there's a whole sociology and psychological study on, on, on men. So, uh, in all of this noise, I thought it'd be a good time for us to come back and baseline it. Uh, you know, sometimes you just get so confused and messed up in what you're trying to do that sometimes you just need to step back and say, okay, what are we trying to do? What's the main objective? What's the goal? What is it that we understand? So, what is it? that the Bible says about biblical manhood. Now, the title of this study is taken from the great theologian Bill Belichick, <laughs> who, if you have watched anything about the New England Patriots, says this phrase over and over and over and over. There are 11 men on the team. All 11 need to do their job. You need to do, know your job. You need to know where you're supposed to be on the field. You're supposed to be there. And then you're supposed to do your job. If all 11 people do their job, then the team will be successful. Now we have a group of men, a group of young men coming to the society. One, they don't know they have a job to do. Two, they don't know what that job is. And they don't know how to get prepared to do the job that they're doing. So I think one of the things we want to do now is baseline it. So one of the things that you will hear in our culture is this phrase, toxic masculinity. You familiar with it? It's just that being, being man, any, any kind of ma masculine thinking, masculine is, um, uh, is now toxic. And you, you can go and find college courses 
that will teach men, uh, and it's required from, for the men of, of, that, of that college um, to take something on toxic masculinity so we can know not to be so poisoned in our relationships as the world defines it. Um, and, and a lot of this is just demasculating. It's not liberating at all. And it is, um, it, it, it is dehumanizing uh, to, to the guys involved, and we're doing a lot of psychological damage to our little boys and young men. This is not new. Masculinity that is out of control, masculinity that is unfocused, is not new. Okay, it goes all the way back to the very first story. Uh, and I want to take you to Genesis 4. And how many of you know Lamech? Okay, he's the grandson of Cain, and this was his promise to his wife, to his wives. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zalah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech, pay attention to my words. For I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then Lamech, it will be 70 times seven. Where else have you heard 70 times seven? With forgiveness. This is exactly what Jesus is referring to. Okay? Lamech has vengeance 70 times seven. You and I break that cycle of violence 70 times seven. Okay? Now, notice what happens. Lamech is talking to his wives. How does he refer to them? Wives of Lamech. He doesn't call them by their name. Doesn't even call them the familiar woman. Uh, that was normal in those days. He, he defines their existence by his existence. Does that sound like a guy to you at all? Yeah. And this is the fourth chapter of Genesis. Not only will I get vengeance, not only will I get an eye for an eye, but I will make everybody in the village blind. I will take it to, this is masculinity that is unfocused, unconnected, uh, untethered. You and I as men have tremendous energy and power. It has to be focused. It has to have a target. If it doesn't, then this is what happens. And this is what's happening in our neighborhoods in Chicago and our neighborhoods in urban uh, 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 Nashville is you're having young boys becoming young men who don't know what to do with their energy. So in the next slide, we're going to go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. So what was first intended? What is it that, that God was looking for to begin with? This is it. Now, how many of you sat around Labor Day going, wouldn't it be great not to ever have to work again? All right, how many of you have that vision that, well, I'll just sit around one day and I'll eat grapes and, and that kind of stuff, but I'll never work. I hate to break this to you. Work was always part of the plan. Uh, work is not punishment for the fall. What's punishment from the fall is work without meaning. Okay, it's the rock of syphilis. Uh, Sisyphus, you go up, Come back, nothing changes. Show up the next day, push the rock up, go home, comes back down, nothing changes. It's that awful feeling of going home exhausted in the afternoon and not knowing that you did anything that made a difference. That's the curse. That's the fall. 
Adam is placed in the garden to work it and to care for it. Notice, God does not give Adam ownership of the garden. There is no mention that the title is transferred. It's God's garden. Adam is to care for it and to watch over it. Okay? Adam is steward. Okay? So what's the next slide? We're introduced to the concept, the very first, that man as steward. What does it mean? One, it means we do not own it. It's not ours. Nothing in your life is yours. Not your breath, not your heartbeat, not your career, not your success, not your failures, not your relationships. You do not own any of those. Second, you are responsible for it. Okay, now, what's your first response to that? That's not fair. Okay, I was a big brother. All right, if you're a big brother, you're used to life not being fair. Right, I was responsible for my little brother. My mom and dad told me all the time, Watch after Mitch, you're responsible for your little brother. My response is, that's not fair. Why? I didn't want to have him in the first place. <laughs> right? I, my mom tells me that I kept telling her when, when, uh, after Mitch was born, when will you take him back? Right? I didn't want to have him in the first place. And, and yet, this, no, this, no. You are assigned what you will be steward of. It's entrusted to you, okay? You are responsible for it. And your responsibility is to maximize the investment for the sake of the master. Maximize the investment for the sake of the master. I gave you 10, you made 10 more. I gave you five, you made five more. Okay? You're responsible for maximizing your career for kingdom purposes according to the master's expectations. You're responsible for maximizing your marriage for kingdom expectations. Now, you want to rock a young couple they come in to me and go, we want to get married. Won't you do this? Great. Tell me why you want to get married. Oh, we love each other. Well, that'll last about three days. Then I'll ask them, tell me the kingdom purpose of your marriage. They won't have a clue. Won't even have a thought. And this, these are Christian couples. Won't even have a thought of how their marriage is to serve the greater kingdom of God or what God's purposes are and bringing uh, them together. I haven't even thought of those kind of things. Now, the three areas that Adam is given, he is responsible for himself. He is steward of himself. Your health, 
your strength, your well-being, all of those things, you are steward of yourself. You are steward of the garden. Now, notice, God did not give Adam the whole world. How many of you assume that God gave Adam the whole world? He didn't. He gave him a garden, so big by so big. One of the first things you will have to do is to figure out what your garden is. And we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, okay? Where is your center of influence? What is it that God has placed you in, uh, 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 responsible for, has made you responsible for? One of the most freeing things you can do is find out those things that are not in your garden. And somebody else has put them in there. And you can say, no, this is not my responsibility. You are a steward of your family, of your relationships. Uh, you are a steward of your wife. God has given her to you. And one day you will give her back. And when you do, you want to be able to say, this is who you gave me. Look at her now. You are stewards of your children. Okay? Now, this is what we're going to be talking about. So, here are the questions for your table. How does the idea, the teaching that we are stewards affect your care and your relationship with yourself? How does it affect your relationship with your family, including your wife? How does it affect how you see your career? Here's your homework. That's what I want you working on this coming week. Here's your homework. I want you to begin to write the goals of those areas and for those people that you are a steward of. What are your wife's goals? What are the goals for your family? What are the goals for your career? to maximize the master's investment. Okay? Table questions. How does the idea of you being a steward change, affect how you are engaged in the, with yourself, with your family, and with your career? Homework is, what are the goals for those areas that you are steward of? All right? Let's pray, and I'll give you to you groups. Lord Jesus, thank you for these guys. Thank you for the priorities they have set for you and for themselves and for each other. Now bless their conversations, anoint uh, their relationships so that in this time together, they'll know more about each other, more about themselves, more importantly, more about you. We pray this in your name. Amen.